welcome to the Hope for the Animals podcast, sponsored by Compassionate Living. I'm your host, Hope Bohannock, and you can find all our episodes and more information at our website, hopefortheanimalspodcast.org, and you can find my contact information there as well. I'd love to hear from you. So today we're going to be talking about my favorite farmed animal, goats. I, it's hard, you know, I know I shouldn't pick a favorite, but they are my favorite, I have to say. But before we get into the interview today, I wanted to share with you some of my thoughts on how we use language as animal advocates and offer some suggestions for some word changes, phrase updates that might help you to be more effective. So here are some suggestions. So I always kind of cringe when I hear someone talking about plant-based meat products and they call them fake or faux or analog. That one's just horrible. Analog. What <laughs> wants to eat something analog? So please try not to call any vegan products fake. Nobody wants to eat something fake, right? You can use the brand name to identify it or what it's made of, you know, like a bean burger. But just try not to use the word fake or faux. And also then, you know, kind of thinking about it deeper, what is the opposite of something fake? Something real. So does that make meat real, the real food? You know, no. Meat is real dead animals. So we don't want to give that impression, right, uh, that any animal products are natural or real. So yeah, please try not to use fake or faux when talking about vegan foods. Okay, another one I hear a lot is meatless or eggless or non-dairy. So what are the words here? less and non, right? These are kind of negative and lower than sounding words, you know, sounds like lower quality or lower or a lesser experience. So instead of meatless, maybe we could say meat free. Instead of eggless, we could say egg free. I like adding the free. Free is, it's more positive a word. You can think of freeing animals, freedom of choice. So, you know, dairy-free, egg-free. I, I like this much better. I, this is all so subtle, I know. You know, it's its very subtle, but, um, you know, and it's all kind of, it, it changes, it's relative. I just heard about a study where they found the word meatless was more acceptable to the people that they asked than vegan, but they weren't asked about meat-free, so meat-free might be even better. <laughs> so anyway, it is all malleable, uh, and it's hard to know what's best, but we are, we're so shaped by our language, and language is so important, and I do really feel that uh, that it influences on a subtle level. So it's good to think deeply about these things and just kind of adjust language uh, as we go to make it more beneficial. And I really like using meat-free, egg-free, dairy-free. All right, here's another one to think about. Now, this doesn't have to do with describing vegan food. This one, I've heard it a few times recently, actually, over the last year, and I feel, I feel like it's really important Vegans will sometimes say that we want to change culture, change people's culture or change people's traditions, right? And of course, I, I understand what we're talking about. We're talking about changing the culture of eating animals. 
But for some, I think this can be misunderstood or triggering. My husband, Kojin, has his PhD in Eastern religions and teaches Sanskrit and is deeply involved in the Indian community and culture. And whenever he hears this, when he hears vegans say that we want to change culture or change traditions, he points out that there is a long colonial history of marginalized religious communities who don't want to change their culture or traditions. And even though I know that's not what we're talking about, for some, that may be how they hear it. So Kojit and I think it's better to say that we want to change habits. Nobody wants to hold on to a bad habit, right? We, we want to change our bad habits. And that lumps meat eating in with like smoking and other things that are bad for you. So this is more of what we're saying anyway, right? We don't, we don't want to end or change someone's tradition, like say of Passover, you know, for example, we just want to veganize it. We don't want to end Passover. We just want the food to be veganized. That's all. Uh, so we don't want to change anyone's culture. We just want to veganize the food and make the food choices nonviolent. So a better way to say this is that we want to change people's habits, not people's culture or tradition. Okay, here's my last suggested language change, but it's a big one for me. And if you are a longtime listener of the podcast, then you may have heard this from me before. I address it actually extensively in episode 12, but also here and there. But I'm going to say it again. And I want to encourage you to please stop using the term factory farming. So this term, factory farming, this has been a really powerful tool for decades. It's done its job. It has exposed animal farming for the horror show that it is. It conjures up images of, of, of metal and machines and brutal confinement and terrifying slaughter, the reality of animal agriculture. It has done its job. However, because the term has been so successful, uh, there is a shift in the industry and the industry is changing its tactics, and we're now seeing humane labeling trying to reassure customers, right? So now it seems that everyone can rally together and agree that we must stop factory farming. But that rallying cry can have unforeseen consequences. One that the animal exploiters are, are taking full advantage of, producers who are selling the fluid and flesh of animals can simply state now that their products are not factory farmed, right? Their products are organic or local, humane, cage-free, whatever, slap any uh, feel-good label, and suddenly it's not factory farmed, Right. And then on the consumer side, we're now hearing people say things like, well, oh, my meat isn't factory farmed. I buy it at Whole Foods. My eggs aren't factory farmed. I buy them at the farmer's market, right? So I've even seen producers denounce factory farming on their websites and in their marketing. I saw a website that said, we're against factory farming, buy our pork. So the term factory farming no longer necessarily implies a vegan message. If you're saying stop factory farming, it's not necessarily a vegan message anymore. It used to be when there were no other choices, but it doesn't anymore. 
And because we've been so successful as vegans in denouncing factory farming, this has inadvertently created a demand for products labeled with euphemistic terms associated with, you know, alternative small-scale animal farming. This was not the initial intention of this term, of the term factory farming. Most all groups originally used this term for the purposes of ending all exploitation and killing of farmed animals. But that is not necessarily how the term is perceived now. And there's another term that I want you to be aware of. It connects to this, and that's when you hear advocates say, 99% of meat, dairy, and eggs is factory farmed, or 99% of animal products come from factory farms. We just blindly repeat this as a community. I see it on social media. I hear it from activists again and again. So let's back up and think about what we're saying here. So now a consumer can think, oh, well, I buy humanely labeled products. So I'm buying the 1% that they feel are acceptable because it's not factory farmed, right? Do do we really believe that there are 1% of animals out there that are somehow being pampered with comfortable, relaxed, happy lives? No, of course not. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's not the case. 100% of animal products Uh, are separating families, are doing painful body mutilations on the animals. There's, they're all going to a terrifying slaughter. You know, I mean, it, no matter the scale or the size of the farm, there are inherent cruelties that are universal to producing animal products. As long as animals' bodies are commodified, there will be exploitation and suffering. So, so please just don't just blindly repeat this 99% thing. Think about it. Do we really condone 1% of animal farming? Because that's basically what the statement is saying. So what should we say instead? We should simply use the term animal agriculture or animal agribusiness or animal farming And also using the word all is really important here. So, you know, saying all animal farming is exploitive, all farming of animals is abusive, all animals suffer in animal agriculture, things like that. We need to be clear that that all of animal farming is bad and not just what's perceived as big or industrial, because that makes the small scale, the humane, acceptable. So bottom line, the term factory farming no longer implies a vegan message. It no longer necessarily suggests a desire to stop all exploitation of, uh, and killing of farmed animals. It will be difficult. It's always difficult to change uh, language that is so ingrained. But I really think it's very important to pay attention to. Uh, it's time to retire the term factory farming. Okay, let's let's talk about goats. Are you ready to hear about goats? I absolutely love goats. And I also absolutely love our upcoming guest, Deborah Bloom. Her sanctuary, Goatlandia, is in my area of Northern California. And Deb and I have known each other for years. She is a goat expert, goat rescuer, goat goddess. And I love that I get to share her tales of goats with you. So here we go.
Okay, so today on the podcast, I am really excited because we are going to talk about goats. Yay, goats. Today we have Deborah Bloom. She is the founder and executive director at Goatlandia Farm Animal Sanctuary. It's in Santa Rosa, California, in Sonoma County, north of San Francisco. And Deborah has lived a really exciting life with a, ver- a variety of careers. She's been a fashion designer, a commercial pilot, and she has co owned several restaurants over the years. But she moved to Santa Rosa to fulfill her dream of living with goats and enjoying a more rural country lifestyle. She has since rescued lots of goats, and she also provides provides homes for numerous chickens and sheep and ducks and pigs and horses. And what started as a passion grew into a nonprofit rescue education organization, animal therapy. And she also does vegan catering and uh, food events. So we'll talk about that a little bit too, and much more. Welcome to the podcast, Deb. I hope. Thank you so much um, for having me. And it's a pleasure being here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. We were going to do this last year and it just never happened. Uh, So finally, we're making it happen in 2022. Yeah, and I'm just delighted. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. So let's let's start by going back in time, back to your vegan origin story. What, What got you to go vegan? Why did you go vegan? Tell us a little about you and your uh, beginnings as an activist or a vegan? Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. I you know, grew up with pet dogs. Um, I've loved animals my whole life. Um, I also loved food. Um, so of course, you know, there was a, a bit of a cognitive dissonance there between loving animals and eating them for, for decades of my life. I volunteered at the SPCA in my 30s and 20s. I volunteered in wildlife rehab and rescue in my 40s. And what really prompted me to make a big change was that I saw a Facebook video come across my feed and I just happened to watch it. And this video was all about our food, in particular animal-based foods and where they come from. It was the first time I had really witnessed slaughterhouse footage and learned about the horrors behind dairy. And I cried all the way through this video and... You know, for me, I feel very strongly that we should treat others as we would want to be treated. And for me, that circle of compassion absolutely includes animals. So when I saw this, this horrible footage of animals being killed and, and wanting to live, but not given that opportunity, I just, I decided I have no choice, but to go vegan. If, you know, I guess fundamentally, if I was going to live my life in alignment with my values and my ideals, I couldn't continue to support what I saw. And so that meant going vegan and I went vegan overnight. I was, Oh, you you went straight to vegan, huh? Not vegetarian. Yeah. I went straight to vegan. Um, you know, I ate eggs for a couple of years after that here and there, but only from our chickens. And then eventually eggs became really, uh, something I didn't want to eat any longer. I can't Mm -hmm. even imagine eating an egg now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really, you know, I, it was something that I felt compelled to do. Otherwise I would be a hypocrite in my mind, you know, like Mm. what I saw was so horrific and I don't think any being should be treated that way, human or animal. And so, yeah, I really didn't have a choice and, and I found it to be incredibly liberating and powerful and empowering and, and easy, Mm. way easier than I expected. So, yeah. Wow. 
Wow. I love that you went straight to vegan. You don't, you don't hear that often. Most people have to take the, the vegetarian middle ground detour first. Yeah. <laughs> Especially cheese. A lot of people don't want to give up cheese at first, but yeah, I mean, and, and it's also interesting because one of the restaurants that I owned many years ago, we had actually done a staff field trip up to Sonoma County and visited a dairy, a goat dairy. And so, you know, at the time I was so excited to see a dairy because I'd never been to a dairy. And I remember, and this was when I was an omnivore, I was still eating, you know, eating animals at the time. And I remember seeing the, the demonstration of the goats being hooked up to this machine. And I, there was a part of me that's like, wow, this is really weird, you know, like, mm. and why, where are all the male goats? You know, the, all these questions started popping in my head, but it wasn't until I really saw the full picture of animal agriculture that it really sunk in that like, Hey, this is not okay. You know, and, and as, as pretty of a package as you wrap it in the, the basic fundamentals of animal agriculture are founded on exploitation and torture and, and murder. And that's just couldn't do it. Couldn't support it. So yeah, I just went all the way. That's awesome. So then you journeyed into somehow a goat sanctuary. Um, I'd love to hear that story. I love goats personally. They're one of my favorite animals to kind of observe. Tell us how you were drawn to goats and how you started rescuing goats. Yeah. So, um, I've always been a, a big dog person. You know, people say there's two camps. There's the cat people and the dog people. Uh -huh. Um, I've always been a, a, a big dog person. Mm. And I remember the first time that when it, we actually went to this dairy, that's field trip I was talking about, that was the first time I'd seen, you know, a hundred plus goats in one place. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, they're incredible. They're so curious and confident and social. So I kind of fell in love with them pretty quickly you know, they're, they're, they're very different than sheep, you know, sheep are very, um, sheep are very sweet, but they tend to be a little bit more cautious and guarded. Mm. Whereas goats are very mischievous. They're very confident. So I really liked that about them. I was drawn to them, but what really prompted me to start a sanctuary and start rescue in general, you know, after I went vegan, I pretty much immersed myself in this new lifestyle. And, you know, I, I started cooking vegan and, and going to different potlucks and going to speaking engagements and visiting animal sanctuaries. And I felt so, I felt so empowered by this new lifestyle and the new knowledge that I had, you know, and then I would drive around Sonoma County around my house and I'd see these beautiful pastures full of cows. And I think, wow, now I really know what's, what's going on here. Those are females. Their babies are taken away. The males are killed when they're babies themselves. And I just, I felt like I couldn't sit where I was and not do anything. I felt like I had, I had to take some kind of action, you know? Yeah. Um, so I started rescuing animals just kind of privately on my own. And I re I'd rescue from dairies or through the, the vet I knew at UC Davis and, and, goat, you know, goat dairies, right. Yeah. Goat dairies. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we've worked with cow dairies, but only in the last couple of years. So, yeah. And then, you know, my friends from the city would come up and visit and, you know, a lot of them would see my social media posts and taste my food and, and sort of, you know, they had a taste of the lifestyle change that I had made. And I think a lot of them were, were kind of impacted by that and it, and it made an impression. And, you know, I remember one of my friends saying like, wow, this is such an incredible experience. You should share this with more people. And that kind of got me to thinking, yeah, well, maybe I should, you know, I think it's also a function of my age and, and the point in my life that I was at, you know, I was in my mid forties at the time and I'd had all these different careers and I'd gotten to the point where 
you know, I, I had become an adult and I had a roof over my head and a car and all the things that you need. So for me, it was also my way of giving back. You know, I, mm. I feel very strongly that we should leave the world a better place than we found it. And for me, rescuing animals and advocating for a compassionate, healthy lifestyle and a vegan lifestyle was my way of doing that. It kind of combines all my, my most important values and my love of animals and my love of food. <laughs> yeah. All in one place. Yeah. So wonderful. Wonderful. Well, yeah. so tell us about some of the goats. Can you tell us about, uh, one of the rescues that you've done? Uh, tell us, tell us, tell us about somebody there. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, there's, we've, we've had so many come through. It's like, where do I start? Yeah. We had a goat that we rescued recently. It was a, it's a very interesting story. She was part of a six goat herd down in Southern California. This herd was obtained by, by their owner for the purpose of grazing and, you know, fire abatement. Mm. And it was pretty clear to the neighbors that these goats weren't being taken care of and they didn't have adequate safe shelter. So one by one, the goats were being killed by coyotes. And it got to the point where it was one goat left that was alive. And she was in the pasture with her go, you know, her herd mate that was killed and she was vocalizing, she was crying, you know, mm. and one of the neighbors intervened and was able to get possession of the goat. And then the goat went to um, animal control and then we were contacted and it was such a compelling story that we, you know, went down to LA to pick her up. Mm. We took her back and she was back at here at Goatlandia. And then a couple of days later, we noticed her in the morning, she was falling and she was uncoordinated and she was running into things. So there was something very, very wrong. We had the vet come out and then we ended up rushing her to UC Davis. And she was, uh, there were a couple possibilities of illnesses and we ruled them all out except one. And she had a, a disease called polio encephalomalacia, mm. um, which is thiamine related and has to do with neurological um, disorders that are a result of not having enough thiamine. So fortunately the team at UC Davis did an amazing job. She was there for a week. She came home to Goatlandia and I'm happy to say she is not only fully recovered, but she is a totally new goat. She's Aww. like um, very outgoing now, very social, confident, gaining weight. Like she's just, you know, then that's sometimes those things happen. We, we take in animals that have been through trauma and, or haven't been cared for and diseases can be so silent and they can manifest very slowly. So that's a really wonderful success story. Nice. Nice. And her name was Judy. Yeah. Her name's Judy. Yeah. She's out Judy. in the pasture right now. Wonderful. And it's Aww. just wonderful to see them, you know, and we see this a lot with the animals we take in. We see them come from really bad situations and they settle in and they become confident and happy and, and healthy. And that's, that's one of the, the most rewarding parts of this work is to be able to not only experience that change, but to facilitate it, to improve the lives of others. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that you said she came from uh, the weed abatement uh, thing. I, I, we see that a lot now, more and more they're using goats and sheep to cut the weeds instead of machinery that uses fossil fuels. So it it's, seems, well, it is probably more eco. However, there are issues with that. And one of them, I mean, there's predation, like you said, that was the, the big problem. And that's why she had to be rescued. And then also that they don't get necessarily the nutrients that they need. And that's how she had that issue. So yeah, that's, did, did you want to speak to that at all? Yeah, that's a really good topic. Um, we certainly grazing companies are pretty popular up here, especially because we've had so many fires. People often ask me like, you know, Hey, what's your opinion on grazing companies? 
I think, yeah, it's, it's kind of a complicated answer. I think in terms of a lifestyle for a goat, it's pretty, it can be pretty exciting. You know, they travel to different places, they get into different environments. It's very stimulating mentally. Um, and from a nutritional perspective, there's good points and bad points on the, on the, on the brighter side, they're getting a, a very large variety and they're getting to pick from this amazing wild salad bar of like, what do I want to eat today? <laughs> huh. The flip side is that, you know, you, you, you don't know there could be toxic plants in there. Like, you know, hemlock is pretty prominent in Sonoma County. So you really don't know if they're going to come across something they shouldn't eat. And most of the time animals know what to eat and whatnot, but that's not always the case. So I think it can be, I think it could be a really good life for them, but, but the other problem is that it's a business, right? Mm -hmm. So if one of the goats gets sick and needs a thousand dollar surgery, the, that grazing company owner is probably going to make the decision to euthanize that animal versus given, give them the care that they need. So I don't think it's done ethically. Um, it's something that we've actually thought about doing at Goatlandia because I think doing it ethically and humanely would be an amazing service to offer. We, we, be an alternative that people can really feel good about. Yeah. So yeah, it's something that we thought about. Of course, it's a whole nother program and a whole nother, you know, little mini business, but it would be interesting to, to do it in that, mm. in the right way, in our opinion. In the right way. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm really glad that Judy's doing well. And, uh, and I know though, that a lot of your goats come from the dairy industry and that goat dairy has become so popular now in areas like Sonoma County, where there's this whole, you know, locavore and farm to table ethos. So, uh, do you want to talk a little about where the goats come from? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we are able to rescue animals from all different situations. You know, we work with animal control all over California. You know, we take in animals that are abandoned or strays, um, certainly neglect, neglect cases as well, but yeah, a big portion of the rescues that we do are males from dairy. And it's really sad. A lot of people don't really know. They don't really understand that like us, goats and sheep and cows, they, they produce milk because they've given birth. You know, people yeah. think that cows are just these <laughs> milk machines that wander around and make milk for us. And that's not the case. You know, they're, they're creating milk for their young. So it's a really sad story, the whole story behind dairy. And, you know, for me, it's about saving as many lives as we can, but also, but using those lives to advocate, you know, these animals are not only part of our family, but they're incredible advocates for compassion. And so, yeah, the bulk of our, our rescues are males from dairies and we get them sometimes when they're a couple hours old or a couple days old and, you know, we're bottle feeding them and caring for them and, and raising them. We actually worked with some other sanctuaries to do some calf rescue last year, which was really a wonderful experience. And yeah, I can tell you firsthand that if people could see what organic quote unquote humane dairies look like, they would make very different eating decisions yeah, eating yeah. decisions because it's not what that's not what you see on the label on the right. outside of it. Because you are rescuing in an area that is all about small scale and humane and organic. I um, mean, every dairy that you see uh, out in Sonoma County is, has these labels, you know, and these yeah. signs yet you're still having to rescue animals in distress. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, it's, 
it's somewhat of a numbers game, right? Unfortunately, dairies are businesses like every other. And sadly, the reality is that, you know, half of all the babies that are born are male and males are incapable of producing milk. So, you know, as nice as a dairy looks, as much money as they put into barns and staff and, you know, some dairies are, they have good husbandry programs, but the, the bottom line is they have to do something with these boys. So, you know, whatever label they want to get, whether it's certified organic, certified humane, at the end of the day, they have to do something with the boys. There's no economic incentive for them to keep these little baby boys and feed them for their, you know, 10 to 15 year life. So they're, they're killed or they're sold or auctioned. I feel bad for people that don't know the fact behind their foods they're buying. It's just like, you know, meat that's labeled natural, like natural means nothing. And, and, you know, certified humane, (laughs) take the, take the phrase humane slaughter. There's nothing humane about it. I mean, at the end of the day, you're still taking a life and, you know, given the option that that animal chooses life and they should have that choice. They should have that, that ability to live just like we should. So yeah, the whole humane humane washing or, you know, the whole organic labeling, it's, it's, it's really hard. And, you know, we, we really try and educate people, you know, they say, oh, well, I only drink organic milk or I only buy from, you know, humane small farms. It's like, well, the same thing is happening. Maybe it's on a different scale. You know, they only slaughter 10 animals a day versus a thousand, but (laughs) yeah, it's still the same ugly thing that shouldn't be happening. It doesn't need to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 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 I'll never forget. I had a conversation with a a guy who worked at a goat farm uh, in Sonoma County. This was years ago and he was defending, you know, he was saying, oh, but you know, it's, there's only, there's only 50 goats and we're able to care for each one individually and that kind of thing. And, and I said, and I said, but what about the baby males? What happens to the little boys? And I saw his whole demeanor just kind of shift and his whole being just kind of, you know, get sad. And he was like, yeah, yeah, well, there's nothing we can do about that, you know, and uh, there actually is. (laughs) Yeah. How about stop, (laughs) stop drinking dairy, eating dairy. It's unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. Very frustrating. So we, you know, we kind of teach like animal activists and rescuers and and vegans, you know, we teach three fundamental tenets. It's about the ethics. You know, we don't believe in taking life. We believe animals have just as much right to be here as we do. And it's also the health aspect, you know, like we talk about why dairy is not good for us. And the fact that we're the only species that consumes it in adulthood. And if we, if we were to consume it, we should be drinking human milk and eating human milk ice cream. And people are like, that's disgusting. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're a human, you know? Right. Why is that gross? And goat dairy is not? Yeah. Yeah, You're climbing (laughs) under a cow. And and so, you know, we talk about that. And then, you know, when you kind of put it in that framework, people are like, yeah, that's really weird. Why do, why do we do that? You know? Right. Of course, the the last aspect that we teach is the um, environmental impacts of animal agriculture. You know, as pretty as you try and dress it up, like the process of dairy is inherently cruel. And in my opinion, I think it's actually more cruel than, than meat Mm. because you're torturing these, these animals. It's exploitation of the, the female gender yeah. And you're, you're exploiting them their whole life and you're torturing them by pulling their children away from them. And then when they can't produce anymore, when they're in menopause, like, like I am at my life, they're killed for meat. And it's just, wow. It just layers like 
like torture on top of torture. So, you know, in my opinion, I think dairy is actually worse than meat. You know, yeah. And it's, and, and they're actually the, the females are killed much earlier than menopause. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really it's more in the equivalent of their teens or twenties. Yeah. Um, and their bodies are just wrecked. Yeah. Know? Their bodies are wrecked. Exactly. Like if we made a movie of the dairy process and put female humans in the place of female cows and goats and sheep, people would be horrified. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's right there. It's like, okay, let's really take a solid look at this. And there's something I heard Gene Bauer say, who's a founder of Farm Animal Sanctuary. I heard him um, give multiple presentations, but one in particular that I heard right after I went vegan really struck a chord with me. And it was like, if we can live well without harming others, why wouldn't we? Like, why wouldn't we want to do that? Like, like veganism and, and a compassionate lifestyle is the embodiment of all the really core principles that, that we all believe in, you know, equality and kindness and healthy living and, and being free. Like, so if we can live a life with that, and that means that instead of harming others, we're not, why wouldn't you? Like, there's no reason not to live that way, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the humane hoax, it's, it's one of those things where people are, they want to do the right thing. You know, they, they want to make changes that are positive and they know that there's bad things happening to the animals yeah. and the environment. And, and it's interesting how people think that just because it's a different species and it's a unique species, goat dairy, that somehow something's different, that, that that's going to be more humane. Yeah. Or that it's special in some way and, and less terrible, but yeah, it's not, <laughs> but it's not like you said, it's the same process. It's the same. same I mean, you still have to take the babies away from their mothers. Yep. You still have to get rid of quote unquote, which means kill the baby yep. males. Yeah. Yep. And I've yeah. seen it once at a dairy. I was there right after a, a mother gave birth to her child. And, you know, and I use these terms on purpose because that's what they really are. I don't want to use the animal based euphemisms. And I was right there and this person instructed me, Oh, don't let the baby nurse from his mom. And I was like, that's against everything that's in our being, you know? So, and it just broke my heart. Mm. And especially, you know, when we get moms and kids come for tours, it's, it's such an excellent opportunity for us to to really get inside their head and their heart and be like, Hey, you're a mother. Like imagine having your baby taken away from you and then your milk stolen. And then you never see your child again. Like that's what these animals go through. And although they don't speak our language and they, they have fur and we don't or whatever, there's these differences, those maternal instincts and those maternal bonds are just as strong in these animals as they are in us. That really resonates. That really, you know, again, it's like a, about getting into people's hearts and their minds and saying like, and creating space for empathy. Yeah. You know, that's what our world needs. And the other thing that I found that really works with people is like, you know, I tell them like, after I went vegan, I just, something in my, in my heart settled, like my whole body felt at peace because I knew inside that I was not supporting pain and torture and murder and death. Mm-hmm. You know, I was choosing a life of love and compassion and health. And that's, that's not only beautiful, but it's very empowering. Like I'm taking charge of my health and my life and my soul and, and the things that I, I choose to enter my body are pure and clean. So trying to teach this lifestyle choices from a place of empowerment, I think is really cool. It's a, it's a, it's something that we try and do a lot, like to tell people that, Hey, you have a choice, Yeah. you know, and this is why this choice is so good for us. Yeah. Not for the animals and the planet. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Yeah. 
So switching it up a little bit, I want to talk about something else briefly, because I know from delightful experience that you are a fantastic vegan chef. And we don't talk about food often on this show because I'm very focused on animals and justice and the environment. And those are, are my passions and focus. But uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about food with you because uh, you just make some amazing, delicious food. You have a booth actually at our Sonoma County Veg Fest every year. Goatlandia kind of has a vegan catering element. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I've always, I love food. I love to eat. I was, you can tell, food. I mean, your, your food's so good. <laughs> I always finish like my food and my sister's when I was a kid, like I've just always loved food and loved eating. And mm. then being in hospitality and restaurants for off and on for 30 years, you know, I really got to, to immerse myself in that world. It's interesting because when I first started Goatlandia, I was, you know, I thought to myself, okay, well, you know, we're a nonprofit. I need to make money to pay for the animal feed and to pay for insurance and all, and the vet and all these things. So, you know, being, being from a for-profit background, I was like, okay, what can I do to make money? I'll do catering. You know, my first instinct was like, I'll make food and sell it. Cause that's what I've been doing for most of my life. So it kind of started out as a way to generate revenue for the sanctuary and for the animal care and and the sanctuary operations in general. But then I realized that, wow, this is such a powerful form of advocacy. You know, what started as a revenue stream turned into a very important program for us. Um, I think think sanctuaries are fantastic. We give people the opportunity to come and meet these animals and hear the stories and become informed and, and gain knowledge. So the sanctuary experience is kind of the the why part of what we teach, but then the how is sometimes not addressed. So people leave thinking, wow, I really should eat less meat and it'd be great to try a plant-based cheese, but then they don't know how they don't Mm -hmm. know where to buy them. They never looked in the vegan section of the grocery store. They don't know which vegan cheese is good and which one's not. So you know, a lot of people leave and they're like, oh, I'd like to consider making this change, but I don't know how to do it. And they go to restaurants and sometimes there's not a lot of vegan options. So I've learned over the years that feeding really good vegan food to non-vegans is a really powerful and very effective way to get people to think differently and, and eat differently. And that's something that we're trying to explore further, you know. Definitely we feed thousands of people every year and now we're starting, you know, we're going to do a monthly open house here at Goatlandia. And we found in, in the last couple of open houses that we've done that most of the people that come to visit aren't vegetarian or vegan, which is great because now we're reaching this whole new sector of Sonoma County and, and they're coming here just for something fun to do. But what we're doing is we're feeding them, you know, mm. we're giving them snacks, whether it's like a grilled cheese sandwich or a, a beautiful Asian vegetable slaw with almonds and rice vinegar and sesame or macaroni and cheese or like you know, smoothies and muffins, and we're feeding them these, these foods that we all love. And then we're showcasing the products that we've used and, you know, and that's really powerful. Tacos are another one. Like everybody loves tacos and tacos are really easy to do vegan. So we're going to really start ramping up our food program even more to just try and feed as many people as we can feed as many (laughs) non-vegans Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. learn like, this is how you do it. And this is how good it tastes, you know? Mm. We love food. We love making vegan food and sharing it as much as we can. (laughs) That's great. That's great. So Deb, I love to ask my guests this question. So I'm going to ask you, what gives you hope for the future? 
Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, there's a lot of different things. There's a lot of places that, um, that I get inspired from and a lot of things that inspire me and give me hope. But I think the best answer, the most complete answer I have is to see the, where we are in the vegan movement and then the compassionate movement. We've seen so much happen just in the last 10 years, you know, like the black lives matter and, and movement and, you know, all, definitely all the things we've seen in our, our political sphere, there's been a lot of shakeup and there's a lot of change. And anytime that we experience social change like this, it's a great opportunity to, to look at ourselves both as individuals and as a community and as a country and a world and realign our values. What really gives me hope is that we're in this, this period right now where it's kind of a readjustment, you know, we're looking at the way we do things. We're challenging things that we haven't challenged before. And there's a big movement to improve, to make our community stronger, to provide healthy foods for everyone, you know, more accessibility, more inclusion, more equity. And I definitely think that that is overflowing into the world of animal activism. Um, I think it's very easy to make a correlation when we're talking about treating people equally. Well, yeah, let's treat animals equally too. You know, it just, it's all coming into alignment. And I, so I think there's some really important work happening in discussions and, and learning and growth and change. And I also think that the vegan movement in general, the vegan food movement is just exploding like the fact that we have fast food I mean I don't really go to fast food restaurants you know unless there's nothing else around but then I'm eating a Beyond Burger or whatever but you know I like to eat as healthy as I can but the fact that we have plant-based options at fast food restaurants and every grocery store now has you know all these like plant-based meat options which aren't for everyone but I think some people that are omnivores are choosing these plant-based options because whatever reason whether it's health or whether it's curiosity or it's for environmental reasons or ethical reasons. Like there are so many vegan products out there now and it's just becoming, vegan is becoming more talked about. It's becoming more mainstream. You know, there, there's more and more vegans born every day. And I think that to me is really encouraging. You know, we're, we're normalizing it and um, we're seeing all these incredible, strong, well-educated, knowledgeable people that are proud to say, yes, I'm vegan and this is why. And this is, a beautiful way that we can make our world a better place. And it's great. I think the movement's really strong. We're in an upswing. Yeah. So I have a lot of hope from that, you know? Mm, I love all that, but thank you so much. That's a, that was a very hopeful answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and it's true. The fast food thing is so, so hopeful and very powerful. Mm -hmm. And I just want to remind everyone that beyond chicken and vegan meat at Taco Bell, it's not for vegans. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. for everybody else. Yeah. We, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be nope. fried on this fryer. It's great. You want to support it and it's great. You want to eat it. Yep. But You're right. It's a tool. It's a bridge for yeah. people that like, oh gosh, I don't even know what to eat. Like there's a lot of people that eat meat every single day or maybe every even, even single meal. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a way for them to get out off of meat without right. giving up meat. It's a plant-based quote unquote meat. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's the gateway food for people yes. to slowly change. <laughs> That's you know, you right. can't take someone that eats Taco Bell three days a week and get them to eat a raw organic Right. It's not going to happen. Exactly. Walk them in a retreat somewhere. So this is a way to, and even myself, when I first went vegan, I was all about like, 
you know, garden crab cakes and chicken nuggets. And, you know, and slowly, you know, I lost the, the flavor for those processed foods. And now mm. I, I eat a lot more raw organic foods in their, in their natural state. And that's more healthy. But yeah, I celebrate those products. And there's a lot of conversation right now in the vegan community. And, and yeah, it's, I'm really glad that you brought it up because we need to all remember it's not for us. It's for people that don't want to give up meat. And that's mm-hmm. fine. They can have the plant-based version of it. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 I, I, I think it's great. I mean, the more places we can get plant-based food out there and the more places we see the word vegan or plant-based, whichever one you want to use, and they both have their place. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Deb, I have so enjoyed talking to you. It's been wonderful. Uh, we do need to wrap up though. So I just wanted to ask if you had anything else you wanted to mention, anything coming up with Goatlandia, we'll definitely put Goatlandia's uh, website and social media handles and stuff in the show notes. So everybody should go and check that out and, and go and follow Goatlandia. But uh, did you have anything uh, else you wanted to add? Um, yeah, just one, well, two things, everyone come visit. We'd love to meet you and love to show you around. We, yeah. we absolutely adore having visitors and the animals do as well. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is, is I just want to talk about what, one thing that I'm trying to work on for this year, it's, it's very, you know, I love animals and I, I have a very strong bond with them. And this year, my resolution, if you will, or my, my improvement that I want to make within myself is learning to have more empathy, not just for animals, because that comes pretty easily, but for people. My goal for 2022 is to really judge people less, have more empathy, have more compassion for others, and, and really look for ways that I can make someone else's lives better, you know, not just animals, but people as well. You know, I've reached a point in my life where it's like, I don't really need any more things. I have like everything I need. I want to use my dollars and my resources and my time and my smiles to improve the lives of others. You know, something so small as like starting a conversation with someone at the line in line at the grocery store or waving to someone as they're, you know, bicycling by your house, just those small acts of kindness and Mm. remembering that, you know, we all have hard days, like life is not easy and showing a bit of kindness and stopping, you know, we all have the, sometimes we kind of make snap judgments about other people or we make assumptions or we generalize and those really aren't what we should be doing, you know, like stop and take a moment and remain curious and, and look for ways that you can spread kindness to other people. Like that kind of selfless giving of compassion and, and love is just, it's one of the most powerful things. And the beautiful thing about it is limitless. You know, Mm. we have all the love inside us that we can share with other people and other animals and, and uh, yeah, so I would just encourage everyone this year to, to practice that a little more. We need a lot more kindness in the world and it's going to help us heal in, in many ways. So yeah, yeah. spread the love. That's <laughs> beautiful. That's beautiful. It's true. It's true. We, we need, we need more kindness. We need more compassion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as animal people, you're so right. We kind of need more for people because- yeah animals are easy to love. They're innocent. They're, um, they're, they're free of all the, 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 the yuck that humans get into, you know? Um, So, yeah, I, I agree very much that, uh, just taking that time to, um, do what you can to spread the love and, and be kind. That's, that's a beautiful thought. Yeah. I I need to think about that more. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And thank you so much, Hope. It's been a pleasure um, and an honor to be here today with you. And 
And, and thank you for all you do. You are one of the pillars of animal welfare. And I have so much respect for the work that you do. And yeah, honored to be your friend and your colleague in this, in this movement. Thanks, Deb. Right back at you. Me too. I'm I'm just uh, amazed at all you've done, how Goatlandia has grown and thrived, and I'm uh, just uh, incredibly in awe of all you do as well. So um, yeah, so together, let's make this world a little better, a little kinder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for being on, Deb. Thank you, Hope. Thank you for listening to the Hope for the Animals podcast, sponsored by Compassionate Living. If you found this episode interesting or inspiring, please share it with your friends. Go to our Facebook page or our Instagram page and share our post, like our page, uh, find this episode there and share it with your friends. Your support helps us reach even more listeners with this important content. Word of mouth, you telling others about this podcast is one of the best ways that we can grow and inspire others. Please also remember to tell others that goat dairy is no better than cow dairy, not ethically, not environmentally. Goats still suffer. Their babies are taken away. The males are killed. Uh, it's, it's still the commodification of a sentient animal's body. And that will always have terrible elements of cruelty. The only way to free yourself from their suffering, to love goats, to protect goats, and all farmed animals, is to live vegan.